This is Happy Lifestyle Online Show, where we talk about viewpoints and experiences on what it takes to have a fulfilled and happy life. Join host Lisa Caprelli as she brings stories and experiences from leaders, entrepreneurs, professionals, and creative people making a difference in the world. Hi, everyone. I'm Lisa Caprelli of Happy Lifestyle Online Show. With us today is my very special guest, Dr. I. Welcome to Happy Lifestyle, Dr. I. Pleasure. Thank you. So tell our audience some of your background and how you got to work on your new book coming up called Routineology. Okay, I sure will. I First of all, just that Dr. I comes from my name, which is Angel Iskovich, actually. Uh, a, mm-hmm. a, a Spanish name, Angel, born in Argentina, with uh, from yeah. European parents, and that's where the Iskovich comes from. And uh, nice. I'm a physician. I uh, I trained uh, originally uh, at UC School of Medicine, became a physician, and then studied psychiatry and residency training, and then became an emergency physician. And uh, over that period of time, I had obviously be- the ability to see people. Uh, in their uh, times at their greatest distress, especially in emergency mm-hmm. medicine. And I became interested, of course, in the interface of philosophy and behavior. And uh, over that, over those years, then I developed a uh, uh, kind of an entrepreneurial approach to the business, emergency medicine. And um, I be- became uh, a healthcare management executive, so to speak. I merged my company and then went really more into the corporate and executive world. So that's a little bit about my history and 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 now as I've kind of moved out and reflecting really on my experience I've kind of uh I've noticed a couple of interesting things about how we behave how we're wired and how maybe uh I could be able to be helpful and be a caregiver in different ways for people with related to routine Yes, I like that. Well, I also have a passion for studying human behavior and have also made a lifelong quest. So when I read that about you, um, I wanted to ask you, what, what, what is your fascination or interest in studying human behavior? Well, you know, in, in order to really, uh, you know, as a physician, you know, when you train in medicine, you begin to understand that when they talk about the art of medicine, that it's not just technical and knowledge. Right. But people are are uh, reacting and how you're interacting. And, um, you know, th- th- there's unique qualities of humans uh, as in, in the philosophy of John Paul Sartre used to say is that, you know, I sense that you sense that I sense that ability to have that part of communication and behavior that makes us very unique. And that's, I think, where a lot of my interest started. And then the ability to, especially in emergency medicine, um, to be able to read one's behavior, not just their symptoms quickly, to understand how they can be comforted, how you can take pain away, and how you can treat the ailment at, at, at the time, I think uh, really became uh, my interest in that regard. Wonderful. So what is routineology, and what do you want readers to learn from that? One of the observations, uh, and this started early on when we started to do emergency medicine on and really try to focus on older patients, and, and that is, I studied centigenarians, people over 100 years old, people with terrific longevity, uh, that there were two things that were really common. One was that they lived in a 
very stable and familiar environment, both the space they're in and the people, the family, the caregivers around them. And the second one is that they did something on a very regular time basis. And mm -hmm. by that, uh, I mean, again, regularity, a certain time of each day. Now, what they did in those times, sometimes they'd have a scotch before dinner. <laughs> sometimes they perform behaviors that we might think aren't healthy today, um, eating larger amounts of saturated fats with meat and the sort. But what they did was very, very regular. It started getting me to think about the care of the young and how important routine and stable and familiar environments are for children as they grow up. And even from the point of in the womb, what happens when you start looking at that part of the mm -hmm. science. And then I started to think people who are really high performers, um, people who have to perform either creatively or uh, athletically or in their work, in their workplace, um, also have to have a significant amount of organization structure, things that they do regularly and do them in a stable environment. What I learned from medicine was that when that environment wasn't there, the uh, a lot of stress would occur to, to humans to really move forward. So that's a little bit about what routine's about. Yeah, that's great to know, especially from your scientific background. And you know, for example, thought leaders like Tim Ferriss and Lewis Howes, they're very interested in the routines of high performers. What did you learn about how routine can affect performance through writing your book? Well, you know, I, um, what, what we've really uh, learned is if you look a little bit of the science to begin with, you get a clue when you really look at how we're wired, what our physiology and what our anatomy is, you learn quickly that uh, we have certain circadian rhythms. Mm -hmm. uh, this has all been really well proven now about when we sleep, when we wake, when we're really at our best at our workplace or at home. Um, and we start to also learn how stress really is affected by um, an inconsistent environment or things that change, constantly having change in the world. And so what got me interested is that today our world is, is one that has so much information, so much uh, temptation, so much uh, not just digital information that tempts us to uh, have a lot Be of changes. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> and and uh, that change... I'm here to really say is maybe not as good for us as we think it is. And it's not so, mm. so good high level. And uh, there are a lot of examples and stories about that. Yes, uh, give us an example. Well, in, in writing the book, we obviously began to interview some high performers and at, at times uh, we weren't surprised at other times we were, but for one of the, one of the people we interviewed were the Rolling Stones and Chucky Kaplow who was uh, mm -hmm. their choreographer. You might be aware, as some of your audience might, that the Rolling Stone are going on tour. They're all 70 years old. They're septuagenarians, as we talk about it today. And you could imagine wow. that at that age, the ability to uh, travel and to um, be able to perform at a high level and consistently and in a creative way becomes quite difficult. And what we were really learned about the Rolling Stones, and particularly about Mick Jagger, but all of them, is how incredibly organized and structured they were, how they did things on a very timely basis, and how while they traveled and did these tours, 
They maintained a very consistent environment. Their backstage, for example, was completely the same, everything perfectly organized. So they had mm. familiarity um, in where they were, what I call a time bubble, in their case, a traveling time bubble. They had a, a bubble of familiarity in regard to their space. In regard to their routines, they did things on a very, very regular basis. It would surprise you that from the time when they did, they started their sound checks at one particular time of the day of the um, concert, to when they did dress, to when they did makeup, to the point of where Mick Jagger actually practices for 50 minutes vocals and singing, and then warms up for another 45 minutes to do exercises, to where they really keep the water bottles on stage and where they actually are. So this is a very choreographed and very routine and tried in, in, and is tried to be performed in a very stable environment. So that's one example of, let's say, artistic um, high performance. Yeah, and, and the average, you know, the public wouldn't know that. Obviously, you did the research. I wouldn't have known that, but it makes you appreciate the hard work, the incredible work ethic that goes into high performers that you talk about. And, and it is, you know, there's other examples we interviewed in the book. Uh, uh, Jeff Gordon, a NASCAR driver who's been, you know, a five-time cup champion, arguably driver in that sport, for example. And uh, it was so interesting to see how consistent uh, he and his teams kept their environment, how their their RV and van that took them everywhere had to be exactly set up, how they were exactly timed uh, in order to mm -hmm. be able to, as a team, work together to uh, perform and try to have a great outcome, uh, namely, of course, winning the race. And um, and also another example was my friend Angel Martinez, who uh, who uh, came from a time of revolution in Cuba, and his parents were able to get him over to his uncle uh, in Brooklyn and grew up um, basically in a in a difficult environment, but found that running marathons became a way that um, he could develop discipline and consistency. And these things led on to his later life, which uh, basically he became uh, one of the founders of, of Reebok and later the CEO's uh, brands, which is the Uggs boots and the sort. And uh, he's kind of an example in business of, of how maybe early in early life, developing that discipline, that routine, that organization, the structure uh, made a difference in life. But one of the things that I want to also point out is that it's not just about being able to perform well or to have great outcomes or be wealthy, that just the processes that what we've learned about performing routines give us meaning. They give us meaning. They give us purpose. They actually uh, make for, uh, for what I believe to be a good life and a healthy life. And I think a lot yeah, of us so are not, not quite getting there. Um, in a world today where we're, you know, constantly, as I sometimes say, pelted with, with uh, the the hopes to change, uh, and that change is where we really want to want to be in life, and I don't think that's the case. Yeah, well, that's very motivating. That's very motivating for listeners, and I just love the sound of your book, Routineology. Um, you just mentioned earlier about uh, the time bubble. What exactly is that? And you, I know that I read that you think that you shouldn't live life in a bubble. <laughs> yeah, you know, people people think maybe sometimes that, that a that a bubble is uh something that's restrictive that that 
contains them, that doesn't let them experience life. And uh, to the contrary, I don't think that's the case. I was trying to develop a nice visual, a way of being able to that a stable and familiar environment is the bubble. And within that bubble is time, namely that regularity, which a lot of it is our physiology from when we wake to when we sleep and, and, and how we deal with stress to understanding that the behaviors that you do in those regular ways are actually your own. They're unique. Whatever form, if it's exercise or diet or your sleeping patterns or the things you do in the workplace are actually your unique behavior that you do in a stable environment. And uh, the time bubble as we go through life uh, is a bubble's kind of flexible and there's external and internal forces that kind of bust those bubbles. And the way we are as, as organisms, as humans, as, is that we try to create that stability, find that regularity. And this happens throughout uh, people's lives, whether it's um, in the workplace or I just remember just recently talking to a, a, a gentleman that was a uh, insurance adjuster who had this situation in life where he got divorced, there was a custody battle, um, where um, he lost his job, and basically his bubble burst. His routine, which he had, the regularity of how he did things, were, which gave him meaning and purpose and really happiness in life, broke down. And as he kind of pushed to try to bring his life back together, he, he went to the to the gym in the morning, to the fitness center, and happened to find an older gentleman that worked out on a very regular basis and became friends. And just starting that part of an exercise routine for him, it happened to be in the morning, began to uh, organize his life and beget better routine. And as he said to me today, he's now been able to recreate a really good time bubble and was in a really good space. So that's just a little example of how I like to speak about the time bubble uh, and how we go through life really with, you know, situations that uh, we, we, we build and we create time bubbles. So Dr. I, how has learning and researching from some many great people uh, for writing your book, Routinology and the great work you, you get out there, how has that applied for you in your personal and business life? Well, it's uh, been, you know, for me personally, it was very important. Uh, you know, my, we're all born with a certain type of nature, sometimes certain personalities. And I have interest in so many things, it seems, in different times that one can never become a master of something. Maybe not yes. find happiness. Yes, you know, you know what I mean? Be a lifelong Lisa? learner. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's a great thing. But uh, at the same time, you you're getting pulled because of your interest to so many different areas. And I think when I made the decision to go into medicine and really study that field to really create essentially that time bubble in the work in the workplace, um, it seemed to begin to ground me. And I think that um, that's how it, it affected me. It allowed me to really find some uh, meaning, happiness, of course, taking care of patients, um, and gave me a, a study. And of course, by the nature of, of, of how medicine is performed, taking care of people, there is by nature a lot of organization that occurs. So that was for me, I think, important as I was uh, a little bit younger and interested in philosophy and interested in psychology. Um, 
and uh, kind of found my way in that regard. Yeah, and it sounds like you really truly care. I mean, I know being a physician, um, my guy is a, is a doctor, he's in radiology, but I, it's a whole new world asking all these questions, like what does the doctor do and all the various you know, um, types of patients and people you see, but it seems like you have a genuine interest in, in human behavior and, and really helping people, which is essentially what you probably became a doctor for. It is, you know, you kind of uh, figured out that as I started to write the book and I thought, well, this is more of an academic and intellectual uh, you know, piece where yeah. you're looking at the science behind uh, psychology, yeah. cognitive psychology, mood, and there's a lot of science behind why we are the way we are. And what I'm suggesting right. is actually important. But then you realize that you have to really be able to give life examples and really in trying to help people, just like when uh, you care for patients, uh, trying to let them know why it's important to take the right medication or to do the following treatments. Uh, you start to try to make sure that um, it can be presented in a way that someone has a little bit of aha moment, aha moment, if I didn't say that correctly, uh, a moment where you can kind of sit back and say, I get mm. that, I get that. And I, right. I've seen this, I've experienced this. And, um, you know, uh, people have talked to me at times, they say, gee, you have to develop a routine pill if you're a doctor, <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> and people want sometimes, you know, simple, simple answers and things that they can grab onto. And that can sometimes be difficult because life is a little bit more complex, right. but I do right. believe, I truly do believe that, that when you look at people who live long lives and perform well, or how we care for the young, how we're kind of wired, how our physiology mm. is, that uh, being in that being in that space, listening to our bodies, and being able to develop a routine, uh, and sometimes, and I don't really care what unique piece you put to it. People tell me, "Well, how do I get on a good diet? How do I feel better?" Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. you know, I often say, "Look, the way I see it is, if you want to be vegan, or you want to have a paleo diet, or a Mediterranean diet, I wish that could be." your own and unique that you think is best for you and works for you, but begin that. And that will begin to have a routine and your body will become familiar and routine begets more routine and exercise and sleep patterns start to follow. And that's when you create a really nice time bubble. So that's a little bit of how I like to talk about it, to be practical about giving advice. Yeah, no, I really like that. And I will be honest, I don't, I've never been asked by a physician, what is your routine? What is it, you know, or times of, of stress in our lives, which we all go through and, and to really then take a look at that. Yeah. And if you look at, uh, if I may say, although, you know, we don't know each other very well, just mm -hmm. the fact uh, that at least in this part of your business life, you have to be organized and structured. You have to have mm -hmm. certain routines in order to uh, fill the achieve. day, so to speak, and achieve what you're doing now, yeah. which is, you know, you promoting, know, a, a, me, you know, yeah, go ahead. No, no, I was, that's part of what you do. And if you do a little bit of introspection or just a little looking outward, you see how you wake in the morning, how you organize your day, when it is that you're going yeah. to communicate to your, um, to your prospective, uh, podcast, uh, people that'll be interviewed how you're organized, when you like to do that. This is all right. routines that you've developed in order to be successful. Right. 
Right. And, and yeah, I didn't have a manual. Um, being self-employed, being an entrepreneur, you have to have incredible discipline. And as many entrepreneurs can relate, and I'm sure you would agree, is, you know, people say, how do you accomplish so many things? And it, it, it starts with organization. And, and I use Google Docs in my calendar. And, and, and But again, I yes, I've trained myself how to handle an enormous amount of data, speak with people and it really it kind of comes seemingly easily most days i don't like to say that to the world Mm -hmm. because you know but but it's really yeah go ahead there's a reason behind it too a little bit um because people tell me well it kind of takes discipline to do whatever it is you do in the morning make the bed make the coffee exercise meditate uh it takes discipline but you know there's when you look at cognitive psychology we've kind of learned that when I say about routine beginning routine, that the way our brains work is that when we anticipate kind of like a reward, this is kind of pure psychology, right? That uh-huh. that our uh-huh. dopamine levels go up and our mood really helps us enhance wanting to do the same thing over and over again and be successful. Yeah. So, um, so the fact that you, for example, yourself may have uh, kind of said, well, it, really all this organization comes relatively easy to me and I'm not uh, having to push a lot a lot of current discipline it's a little bit of is how we're wired how we work you know so anyway it's interesting isn't it yeah yeah oh yeah no I really love it um very interesting uh, conversation so what would you say for people who maybe they feel like their life's a mess they're going through challenging times they didn't grow up in a family of organization they weren't taught these healthy we're going to call them healthy habits what would you say to them in the ability to kind of do reset and become the high performer that they are able to be well it's it what's most important is um when I speak about a stable environment and a familiar environment, whether it's with friends, or it's real important to have around you in order to have the discipline to perf- to get started, to begin routines. And so it's important to kind of look and, and say, hey, I want to be around friends that, that respect me and, um, and I want to be around people that I respect. And I want to look where you know where family is and where and we could talk a little bit more about business because i think it's very applicable to the business environment and then try to create that bubble i think is part of it all you need to really do is start any routine whether it's an exercise routine to be simple about it or a or a uh, diet routine or a sleep routine which i think will come more naturally uh, for people, or just the ability to accomplish something like making your bed in the morning. That's the first thing I do. <laughs> now, for others, it may be stretching exercises. But whatever it is, doing it regularly and then completing that purpose in right. itself. And that's, that's, so that's a little bit of would be my, my uh, not knowing the specific situation of someone's right. um, environment. That's, that's kind of the basics of it. Yeah, and there's a quote that fits in well that I love by Tony Robbins. It says, change happens when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. That's right. Changes, changes kind of change can be very difficult. Uh, but people do need help. And uh, some people are, you know, very distraught. And there are, of course, medical conditions, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, true depression, um, bipolar diseases. You know, we have to be aware that 
that that uh, some people are more prone to that and it becomes a little more difficult for them to get onto that development of a you know time bubble and need some help and getting into a routine um but you know you i also you know so that's kind of on the personal side a little bit of how i believe it would be uh, helpful to to uh, think of this. So coming from a little bit of a kind of an existential uh, background in philosophy, uh, you have that uniqueness to yourself. You make the choice of what it is you want to do, what it is you want to fill in those routines. And um, so I'm not very prescriptive about whether a vegan diet is better than a paleo diet or whether Tai Chi is better than walking is better than yoga is better than right. you know i what's important and this is i think where we're missing where we're missing we're not we're focusing too much on what it is to do and than it is on doing something regularly do you have an amount of days that you find that becomes a, a routine becomes a, a good habit like 90 days do you have that kind of number yeah you know uh, i don't um it's very interesting because uh, I think a lot of people speak about habits and the and not you know it's interesting habits uh, when you start looking at and I don't want to be too academic for the whole audience about it but you know habits uh, are automated behaviors things that you kind of do without often thinking about them and um, these developed in studies in mice and psychology that's where that word came from so um, a root a habit is a is a behavior that is kind of automatic and you don't need to necessarily think about or be overly willful or disciplined about and your brain, but it doesn't mean that it occurs at a regular time. And mm -hmm. time, now there are habits that uh, one does, like before one goes to bed, they might floss and brush their teeth and often do this without any thought in, in mind at all, without any sense of having to be willful or disciplined about it. Um, but then there are habits that we do that happen in different times of day. They might be habits of what you do to scratch yourself somewhere, let's say, or, or, mm -hmm. um, or there may be habits which are addictive because of the, uh, because, you know, nicotine or, uh, caffeine or opioids and, and the sort. So, um, I wanted to make that little bit of distinction because, um, uh, there are, there are good habits and they can be done regularly. And my, my, again, my suggestion is that we do things on a more regular, timely basis that's consistent with our own internal time clock. You know, that's, yeah. that's what I, that's what I try to promote. Um, yeah. Anyway, maybe, maybe you, you, you might have another question a little bit more. So. Yeah. Well, Dr. Dr. I, uh, I know you were featured in Forbes for suggesting in the future that AI, artificial intelligence, may, ha may help us develop our routines. Discuss this provocative idea yeah. with our listeners. Well, you know, in, in, as my business life from, you know, the corporate world, it's kind of, I, I, I'm the chair of a, a board of directors of an artificial intelligence company um, and uh, called Potential Analytics. It's an upcoming company that does artificial intelligence um, in uh, healthcare primarily, and uses all those words that you hear, machine learning, for example, uh, to develop uh, predictive analytics, the ability to predict how, how things actually happen by looking at data. And in today's world, you know, there's a lot of data and we're able to access it. You know, you've heard of big data uh, and we've got so much of it, 
but we also have kind of our own data, our own biometric data. And I think you're already seeing, whether it's with Apple Watches, the Fitbits, or you're seeing body monitoring that's kind of occurring, that uh, is starting to monitor your own data. And it's interesting because um, we're not able to monitor ourselves as well. We don't really know at what moments we have less stress or feel relaxed. We sometimes don't reflect on that. And uh, the ability to measure your heart rates, where you are, what you're doing, um, obviously things like exercise are known, kind of can begin to be put into a algorithm, what they call machine learning, that might be able to really be predictive of what our best routines are. If our best routines are to sleep well, to eat well, to have less stress, much of that data can be now gathered. And right. as, the, as, the, as the, it's an amazing yeah. time, I think, to be alive today. I, I do love technology, and I, I know there's people that sometimes say, oh, my God, we're on just so much, too much on social media, or there's things going. But, again, I think it's, we have a responsible choice that we can choose where we put our time, you know, put in our, our habits and, and achieve what we want, like you've talked about. So, yeah, Dr. I, how I think how I, it, it, Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, you answer. No, no, no. I was just, I, I was just agreeing with you. It's that it's, it's, it's a time where we might be able to get that assistance in technology, as I think um, a lot of entrepreneurs have gotten assistance in technology, like you were mentioning, technology uh, to help you be better in business and perform the day. I think your own personal data may be able to uh, give you a better hint than you might be aware of about how to better right. live your life and how to have the right routines. Yeah. Yes, that's so great to know that we're on the right track and that we can always improve. Dr. I, how can companies employ routine to improve business results? Well, I, you know, I really appreciate that question because I think, uh, you know, when I think of, of companies, you know, we think possibly of something distant or uh, ephemeral, but of course, companies are just made up of people, right? Just like us, <laughs> you know, working right. together in an organization uh, to sell yeah. a product or a service and to be successful at doing so. And so they really kind of reflect who we are um, and the, that kind of physiology that I talked about and that anatomy and the importance of a routine and a time bubble. And good businesses, I think, develop their own time bubbles of success. They have elements for their um their uh, staff and their employees. And by nature, they need to develop a certain amount of policy, procedure, structure, organization. Um, and in doing so, they develop certain routines. And when people talk about sometimes routines as being boring in the business, mm -hmm. in the business side, you know, it just means that whatever you're doing at that time of day for that routine is maybe not the right routine because you're not engaging your staff. You're not engaging your employees to be interested in what, what it is you're doing during that period of time. And it's interesting because in the book, we, we talk about rituals, you know, those religious rituals and how things go from basically becoming a, something you do, a routine, to eventually becoming a ritual in a company. And eventually these rituals are what are your culture, the culture of your company, and what your culture of your company is about. And um, and so it's a it, so to develop really good cultures, a, a good leader will develop a great environment and will develop certain specific routines 
some of which are daily, some monthly, some yearly or bi-yearly, which then develop really um, your culture. It gives people then meaning and purpose. It gives them a, a greater amount of happiness in their, in their work life. And that's one way I talk about the um, large picture of, of uh, how to create a successful time bubble in business. And uh, yeah. so that's one, that's one kind of macro approach. And the other is uh, about understanding our physiology about, you know, uh, our bodies produce uh, cortisol at different times in a different ways. I'm not going to go into the details of it, but, you know, we're, we wake up and then we become quite alert. People have done studies that show that employees are most productive in whatever they do earlier in the, in the morning from eight o'clock to noon. And, uh, then after dinner, there's a postprandial tide, a drop in sugar, and then you kind of know, Lisa, I think, uh, what happens at three mm -hmm. o'clock to a lot of people, you know, and Starbucks uh, or their coffee or, and glucose has kind of gone down. And, you know, in England, they begin, they, they have the tradition of tea. Uh, this is kind of controlled by the brain. And in Spanish cultures, they go to sleep, right? And they go back to business later after dinner. And so, mm -hmm. um, uh, in being smart about how we are and being able to have uh, as, as a leader um, so that employees can find meaning and purpose and do well, understanding those times is important to develop the types of things that you do, such as very task-oriented things early in the morning, engaging with people that you're maybe uh, doing if you're doing recruiting or sales. We're there at their best and you're at your best. Um, and then to uh, maybe at more, like gather everybody together without task work and, and uh, get a little energy going and do some innovative discussions and open discussions in the sort. So these are some ways that this can be applied specifically to the operations of the business if we understand how we're wired and how important uh, routine actually is. So those are a little, those are a couple examples. I don't know if that's too much or, or too little, but. Uh, Thank you. Anyway. No, very well spoken. So Dr. I, I'm actually writing a book called The Five Hats, where it explores five areas of life, which I'll go in no particular order. The five hats are family, friendship, business, connection, and adventure. So based on any one or combination of those areas, how do you think routineology could improve areas of life um, using some personal experience um, to our listeners? Yeah, so, um, you know, it's interesting. Um, I, I think I'll, I'll just speak a little bit to adventure right now because um, okay. to that point, just because I think when people think of the time bubble or a bubble or they think uh -huh. of routine, uh, they think that it isn't need to be adventurous, right? And the sort. Yeah. And uh, and I'm on top of my head here. And, you know, personally, um, uh, I think what, what the behavior that you have that develop, you develop routines or when you do them, um, you know, are, be, are become very, become very important that they be your own and unique. And sometimes they do need to be a, a bit adventurous. They need to exercise your cortisol system and, um, and then to train yourself to not be as stressed with it. And what I did personally is I, I became a private pilot many years ago. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Mm -hmm, and cool. so did my and so did my wife, whose name is Lisa, just like your name. She oh, became okay. a she became a pilot as well. And uh, 
So talk about adventure hats. Yes. Yeah. And so that is, in a sense, breaking from the routine and inviting spontaneity, but then creating something new and fun. Right. And then as you start to think about that, just as an example, to become a pilot is, uh, and to be safe at doing it and to learn how to do it <laughs> begins to require a real routine, you know? Right. So there you and go back with routines. Right. And so you create a kind of a new time bubble. Sometimes I feel like that when I'm in the plane, I'm like in a bubble traveling through time. Uh-huh. And, and um, oftentimes for me, concentrating on flying, you become kind of like in running. People talk about being in a zone. Um, you become really quite happy. You, you're able to begin a flight and end a flight, do it well. There's sometimes adventures in between. And at the end, you feel a lot of meaning and purpose and, and you feel really good. So, so you must, uh, that, you must yeah. be having so much fun love, and loving doing that. Yeah, absolutely. So adventure is that way. And, and you know, this it doesn't negate being in a bubble, but it's rather what you put in it and when you do it. And, and well, and mm-hmm. it's like you said earlier, it, it was a change you made, a change that we're going to take up this new adventure as activity into our lives. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've obviously conquered, and that's how I feel when I try new things, because I do a lot of things as well that are adventurous. Um, in addition to all the other things that we do, running our business and family life, um, but I kind of like, it's a reward. You talked about that word reward earlier. So the mm-hmm. adventure we give ourselves is, to me, the reward for doing everything well, you know, not that life's perfect, and it's the reward we give ourselves to, to, to have fun and to enjoy and take on new things. Exactly. And that's why, as you talk about having a happy lifestyle, I think that's part mm-hmm. of it. You know, my mother, I, I, it took me a while to understand this. Uh, she lived to 95 years of age. Wow. And, and she was actually interned in a concentration camp during the war. And, um, and she learned how to develop the right routine in that terrible situation. We talk in the book a little bit about how even the worst wow. environments and situations you can find meaning by doing things regularly. But she used to always encourage me and, and, and it would be because medicine can take quite a bit of time and say, you need to have a vacation. You need to get away from your obligations. And I didn't quite understand because I'm in this bubble and I'm doing my routines, you know, and I'm really happy taking care of patients. But I did realize that there were some things that were mundane things that you kind of do to live in today's world that are obligations, things that you really rather not do, right? If you didn't have to, but they're parts of what you do in life, right? And Mm -hmm. that's what having a little vacation or a bigger vacation or breaking up uh, the routine. And that's what I kind of call sometimes the the traveling time bubble. And uh, that's important. And I think that getting away from obligations, creating a, a little travel time bubble, being able to do some new things, um, uh, really, really is very, very important for for having a happy lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. My guy Chris, we travel a lot. He's typically off one week every month, and I do have a thirteen-year-old, so it's managing all that. But when we do go on vacation or it's timed. Um, we it's kind of then when we go back to the okay now it's back to the, the ritual of the obligations which we enjoy all our, our lives but it's it's because of that routine that we go okay now we know we got to do this for the next whatever 21 days and then right. we get that time off and and right. that for us it's we're having a blast and having that happy lifestyle and and still learning and growing 
Yeah, beautiful. So one of my so, Doctor I, I ask this question to everybody at the end of my show. Time is promised to no one, as we know. One day, when you pass on this earth, what do you want to be known for? What would you tell that younger, your younger self? Well, that's kind of that's uh, that's always a quite a philosophical question, but mm -hmm. you know, I, I think um, I think that uh, as I've kind of come to to this point, uh, call it the the last third of my life, so to speak, most likely. Um, uh -huh. But uh, what's important um, is trying to kind of give a message that uh, helps people heal, helps people uh, basically kind of an extension of being a, a good healer, really, that, uh, that I made a difference, maybe in a broader scope and, or in an individual scope, to allow someone to, to live a more fulfilled life, a more meaningful and purposeful life. And I think, you know, if when you're 21, it's, 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 it's hard to have had that, the experience, but mm -hmm. it's just wonderful to know that, you know, your life is, is there ahead of you. And, and I like to let people know that it's okay on a regular basis. It's okay to put your own unique content, to be yours. It's okay to say no to all the change and often disorganization that occurs. Uh, that it's right. okay, and then by doing so, you, you'll live a you'll live a, a, a meaningful life. Very true. That, those are very good words of wisdom. Thank you so much for being on Happy Lifestyle Online today, Doctor I. So, how can we find you and find the great work you're putting out? Well, you know, we, we've uh, w.angeliskovich.com, and uh, or you can put in Doctor I and. Uh, it, our webpage tells a little bit about uh, the book that'll be upcoming and some of the different uh, speaking engagements and uh, and the sort a little bit more about uh, routineology and what that's about. So uh, that's that's the way to contact. So I'm glad to have uh, anyone and everyone just uh, hopefully learn a little bit from this. Thank you, Dr. I. I can't wait to read your book and it's been an incredible conversation today and dr i so his website is i'm going to spell it uh, a n g e l i s c o v i c h and his book is called routinology yeah, and um it's just routinology it's routinology, right, it's routinology see, before the yeah. show, we, we <laughs> talked about how do you pronounce it so it could be routinology or routineology so yeah, it's right, up to right. you <laughs> right. I'm, we're using routinology and we're using the word time bubble. And we're, when we use routinology, we talk about the art and science of routine. And that's what we're trying to kind of uh, pervade and have people understand. Yes. And thank you for making it layman's terms. I know people that with scientific minds, like I could tell you have, and very intelligent and philosophical, it makes it um, the stories that you've said and the people you're interviewing is, is makes it people that we can relate to and then show that we're on the right path to success and happiness. So I am Lisa Caprelli. Thank you for listening to Happy Lifestyle Online. And thanks to our special guest, Dr. I. And we look forward to talking with you the next time. Thank you for listening to Happy Lifestyle Online show. For more information on growing with our community, follow us at happylifestyleonline.com. I'm Lisa Caprelli. Talk to you next time.